0: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. You're in the Doghouse, and we're here together to talk some Mississippi State football and this week some other sports on the Believe Podcast Network. Welcome back into the Doghouse, presented by our sponsor, BetOnline, Online, where the game starts, and back for this week, also sponsoring Butcher Box. Mmm, protein. I'm your host, David Murray, and uh, no, it's not a tag team today. Uh, Mario Hagan, our All-American Bulldog, former pro and fellow Mississippi man, he's not available today, Uh, family conflicts and other things going on, plus my own schedule here as well. It's been a few wild days and just could not make connections this week, but hopefully he's back soon, Uh, certainly next week, as we talk about the closing run for Mississippi State's football season. Well, they're in the middle now of a three-game homestand on Scott Field. Last week, the Bulldogs scrambled past Auburn in overtime, 39-33. Now it comes a battle of the Bulldogs, the SEC West Mississippi State Bulldogs against the SEC East Georgia Variety. Georgia, of course, will come in ranked number one in the country. Bulldogs not ranked, no surprise, at five and three. But the Bulldogs are kind of flirting with the status in the college football playoff rankings if they... Can just pull off something really amazing this weekend. Well, we'll talk more about the game as we get into that, but a reminder, too, that game time is 6 o'clock ESPN this weekend. For those who can't make it, I suspect some of you can't because the game is a hard sellout now. It's been that way for over a month, in fact. I'm told that the press box for a change is going to be full because that's what happens with the number one team with the press corps. They'll be coming, so us home folk will have to share some space for this time. It's a big weekend. The weather is going to be chilly, but it's going to be clear. No rain threat as far as we know. Also a big weekend for Bulldog basketball on both sides of that spectrum. So just a lot happening around campus. Main feature, of course, being state football. Oh, well, maybe for some the main feature is NCAA soccer is on campus this Friday. We'll get down to that as well because that is very much a worthwhile story. But first, before we get into the Bulldog football, let's update how things stand, as far as we know, on the athletic director position. Uh, Mississippi State, of course, is looking for a new athletics boss after the resignation and move of John Cohen over a week ago. Uh, No little irony in the fact that he, of course, is going to Auburn. We don't think he was at the game on Saturday night, probably best for all involved. I'm sure he was watching from a safer distance as his former team and now his current employer battled down into the overtime. I will never begin to suggest who he pulling for, because I've known John too long and too well, and I would not dare to speak for him. Just say that uh, he couldn't win either way, and he probably, in one sense, couldn't lose either way. Knowing John, he probably looked at it as a no-win situation, which is why he stayed away. That said, now he is certainly away, already showing pictures in a natty maroon blazer. I don't think the orange and blue tie looks particularly good on him, and I'm sure some people even down at Auburn are wondering, Yeah, he's from Tuscaloosa. Are you sure all his ties are the right color? That's the snake pit he's walked into, but he did it with both eyes open. So, heaven's blessings on John and Nell and the family as they go into hostile territory for sure. So, what's Mississippi State doing? Well, as Steve Robertson is reporting, and we're certainly confirming by talking to sources as well, the... Deadline for anyone who wants to become a candidate who has not already been reached out to by Mississippi State or the search firm being utilized to vet candidates. Anyone else, if you're going to apply, this includes you out there if you're really crazy, uh, submit it by tomorrow afternoon because we understand Friday will be the cutoff point. After that, no further candidates are likely to be considered unless somebody really knocked the ball out of the park type decides, that maybe I'm interested and want to be available. So we understand that once that list is together, it will be winted down by Zoom calls, telephone calls, perhaps even a few face-to-face conversations if crosses, uh, paths happen to cross along the way in the next couple of weeks. It will eventually be narrowed down to what we understand will be no more than three finalists, quite likely just two. And when will the decision be made? Well, there's no hurry. As we discussed a couple of times ago on this show, there's no urgency going on about Mississippi State Athletics at this point. Uh, Bracky Brett is stepping in as interim athletic director, but the machinery of this athletic department was pretty much on r- cruise control at the moment. They can run themselves um, with football, obviously, reaching this crunch into the season. Basketball now just underway. Soccer, as we say, hosting NCAA play and other sports still active. But as far as facilities, uh, the Humphrey Coliseum Project, which all those watching state basketball, men's and women's, the first two games can see, is uh, very much in progress. Uh, Also, a lot of uh, deep progress as far as destruction to the restrooms and concession stands, other such things. But that's just the price you pay for a thorough renovation of a facility that opened up, yes, my own freshman year at Mississippi State, and I'm not about to give you that date. You can look it up for yourself. As far as anything major, no, n- nothing needs to be settled yet about future plans for, say, and I'm just tossing these out, uh, indoor practice facility or what's going on with uh, still planning stages thinking of in South End Zone Project Davis Wade. Uh, certainly there are renovations and additions planned to the west grandstand that are already more advanced according to conversations I had with John in recent months. And, uh, of course, the softball clubhouse it will be nearing completion in time for the coming season, so nothing really urgent there. No, the only, and I use the word urgent here vaguely, matter will be, now that the Bulldogs are bowl eligible, what bowl do they put down as a preference once the season is over? Of course, that will depend on how things turn out tomorrow against East Tennessee, expected to win, and, of course, the Egg Bowl. Uh, my own gut feeling is that uh, State We'll get that decision made between Brett and the University Administration. They already have some pretty good ideas taking shape. We'll have a story on Gene's page on Friday where you can look at the payouts the various bowls are given, the matchups, the dates, uh, where teams previously from the SEC have gone, which definitely influences who those bowls want back the next year, and so on. All that material will be included, and as well as our own speculation, which we'll get to in a bit also. So. Let's uh, set the stage for bulldog football. Is coming the rest of the way, but first, let's talk about basketball because basketball is back, and Bet Online remains your number one source for all your betting needs this season. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup information, player news, and game trends at Bet Online, and as your continued source for all sports wagering information, Bet Online features live betting, free contests, and giveaways all season long. Always the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports and events, whether that's the NFL, the NBA, the NHL, mixed martial arts, tennis, boxing, and yes, even golf. Head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50%, that's 50%, folks, welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use the promo code BLEAV, all caps, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your rewards. Bet online where the game starts. And thanks again to our sponsor also this week, ButcherBox. Like I said, you can't go wrong with protein, especially if you're planning on tailgating. Well, a lot of people are going to be doing it this weekend because, as said, the Georgia game's a sellout. As of today, when we're recording this, the setup on campus is already taking place. Now, again, a lot of the tents and structures were left intact from last week's game with Auburn. But even more will be added because George is bringing a lot of people. That may be one of the few games anymore where fans travel because they want to see their team. They can't get tickets to Sanford Stadium. Well, Mississippi State fans, this is the chance for the uh, biggest crowd of the season. So what's going to happen? Well, like I said, the weather's going to be decent. Chilly, but decent. Let's hope it's as entertaining a game, but not in quite the same way as last weekend. Now, understand. I've done this long enough, maybe too long, someone to want to think out there, but that's okay. I've done this long enough that I never turned down a victory of any sort. I don't care that Mississippi State was way favored. I'm talking double digits favored to beat an Auburn team that had just fired their coach, had half a coaching staff, and plays were being called by guys who had never done it at this level before, period. So how does a game turn into an overtime contest that Mississippi State is this close, and I'm talking 65 seconds on the clock, away from losing and totally destroying this season? Well, it's a uh, condensed version of what's happened in too many other games this season. State jumps out to a 24-6 lead, which should have been bigger. Let's be very clear about that. Uh, Protections on the offensive line broke down. Will Rogers fumbles the ball on a sack pressure. Uh, Punt is just dropped. Uh, Bad punting leaves Auburn in a decent field position to flip that clock before halftime. So what is a good lead ought to have been much better, and State should have knocked Auburn out by halftime. They didn't. You gave the Tigers a little bit of life, and with a team playing almost purely on emotion, certainly not on play calling because essentially it came down to either hand it off to Tank Bixby or the other back, or have the quarterback scrambled Robbie Ashford, which turned out to be their best offensive play, period. That got them back in the game because... And we've talked to Colin Duncan. We've talked to other players about it. They just admitted they came out flat in the second half. And they've had a tendency to do this this season, whether it's the Memphis game, uh, the Arizona game, and others. They just have not come out of the locker room at halftime with anything like the same emotion, certainly not the efficiency they have showed in good games in first halves. And that nearly bit them horribly Another thing, State got entirely away from the run game for too much of the mid-game, second and third quarters. Then when they did start passing more in the fourth quarter, it was panicky, it wasn't effective. It's, again, a condensation of some of the things that really still make you wonder what's entirely going on with this team. However, they won, and that's all that matters. It also, in my mind, I want to say this. I think it may matter bigger for the long run, assuming that Mississippi State does continue to progress under Mike Leach. This may be one of those games you look back and say, they almost gave it away and didn't. Uh, Much like, and here's another irony, Auburn the year before. That right now can be seen as a transitional point for Bulldog football when they rallied from almost four touchdowns down to run away with the game in the second half. Well, they didn't run away with this one. They could have, they should have, but they didn't. Still, when Auburn scores with a minute five left and the way the state offense has not been performing in the second half, you're thinking, we've either got to get a miracle kickoff or something really strange is going to have to happen. Auburn's going to have to blow this. Well, as it turned out, you got a little bit of a miracle on the kickoff because Auburn stupidly let uh, Tulu Griffin get it. Of course, he only got 17 yards on it, but he was starting from an advanced position. And then Auburn face mask. All of a sudden, you're at the 50-yard line. And you can see the impact that had on the Tigers. State's able to get down a field goal position. Maybe they could have taken a shot or two at the end zone, but they still got the ball down close enough. Auburn calls two timeouts, even as Massimo Biscardi is kicking the ball. Both of them overruled. Both of them good, by the way. And I want to show a hands out there. How many expected Biscardi, based on place kicking before this season, or maybe just based on that old Indian graveyard we're sure Scott Field was built upon one time for the third kick to miss. Well, Massimo, coolly and calmly, knocked it through. You go into overtime. The defense rises up, slams Auburn down. They missed their own field goal, and I want to point to an adjustment, too, that Tyrus Sweet made. I noticed just before the kick, he went over and told one of the inside blockers to shift his position Maybe it made a difference, maybe it didn't. All I know is he saw something and State's able to get enough pressure. Auburn rushes the kick, Anders Carlson. Are they ever going to run out of Carlson's in Auburn? He manages to miss it, and then boom, State gets down in scoring position because Ra rah Thomas gets interfered with, and it was a legit interference call. Sorry, no whining allowed. Just like no whining allowed about cowbells by you Albies over there. It's your responsibility, by the way, going back five decades, that cowbells are allegedly banned anyway. Not that I'm bitter or anything. And on first down, State runs the ball in. Game over. Okay, maybe at the end of overtime, just for regulation, I mean, Notice how Will Rogers ran for 11 yards. What if he holds his slide a little bit longer and goes another step, even two steps before he gets down, or even just blows the head and dives into it? Hey, these days, you may get a targeting call, get 50 more free yards and have a chip shot field goal to win it at the end of regulation. But also, don't jump the snap count, and maybe Biscardi's 56-yarder is more reachable. I know I'm what ifing there. I'm not criticizing Biscardi a bit because the guy came through and he had to have it. My point being, State did as much in that game to lose it as they did to win it, but the dogs still won it. And in the long run, having shown they can do it, if they don't make the wrong kind of assumptions, oh, well, we can afford to take a deficit or slop around. We can always come back and win. That's a danger. But hopefully they learned from a scare that no, you can't give one away because they were this close to giving it away after having the game under total control. How did the control get away? The offense went dead. I know in my report card, people are thinking I gave the defense a little too harsh a grading there. I should have graded them better. Well, I disagree in this sense. Auburn was so limited offensively. Like I said, a handoff or a scramble. And Auburn still is able to get close to 300 yards rushing off of that. I think the defense in some ways was just as much out of sync as the offense. But it stood up much more on the offense. And that raised the talking point from this week about autonomy. Will Rogers, we've assumed all along, but we had to ask the coach on record how much autonomy he has. Well, it's total, as in the words of the head coach, from in line to in line, it's Rogers' job to call the offense. Yes, the sideline makes their calls off that legendary little note card that Leach has, which we have explained before by players' own reports has so many permutations off every play on there, it's really kind of irrelevant, more a talking point for TV and for frustrated fans than it is reality. But Will Rogers has total autonomy now, and he's proven worthy of it in Leach's mind. So when he's checking into pass plays constantly instead of run, part of it may be an overreaction to how Auburn's defensive line was mauling State there in the second half, maybe not a lack of confidence, or maybe just one of those nights where sometimes you see things that aren't really there. That happened. You know, Kentucky game is a great example. The first half, Rogers is reading The Tiger defense, as I've said before, like a large print comic book and making almost everything work. What happens during games? I don't know. I don't think they know. The point remains, Mississippi State must give full autonomy to Will Rogers to run this as he sees fit because you can't take it back now. Leach did talk in the SEC teleconference when I asked him, but sometimes maybe you have to reel a few things in. But in general, once you've given that authority, you can't take it back from a player. So look for more of that. It's going to be Roger's job to do it. And as we've seen, when he's on, Mississippi State can be really on. Of course, a lot of that depends, too. Maybe his play calling or the on factor. Yes, Jaquavius Marks scored the winning touchdown. He scored the only touchdown against Alabama, too. So good for Joe Woody, as his nickname is adds to his stat count, adds to the confidence State has because, as I talked with Coach Washington yesterday after practice, the fact that State called a run play when Rodgers walked up there, read a passing defense, a loose box, and handed it off, well, that's a good point because State can run the ball when they have to, and they did it. But I think the return to full strength of Dylan Johnson will probably lead to more run plays. We're told that he's practicing well straight from the assistant coach's mouth, do we really want to play against Georgia? Okay, when I say things like that, I'm falling into the old Mississippi State mode of Let's not get beat up too much and let's get ready for the winnable games. I think State needs to come out and play all out, all personnel, not just to get back the chemistry together, but these guys want to take their shot against the number one. And remember, back in September and October, Georgia had some lapses uh, against uh, South Carolina, against Missouri, other teams. They didn't look specifically that sharp sometimes, so who knows? Even though they're ranked number one and feel pretty confident about the college football playoff, they're basically a lock for the SEC championship game. Who knows what mindset Georgia comes in? They haven't been to Scott Field since 2010. By the way, the only time in my lifetime I've seen Mississippi State beat a Georgia team, so that one stands out to me. This rivalry is almost never played. So also the dogs, uh, there's enough here who remember two years ago when a team with, I think, is I remember best, 48 available players – walked into Athens, and really gave Georgia all they could handle that night. Maybe the one great game of J.T. Daniels' career, you know, what irony that he finally gets activated, has a good game at State's expense, and then barely's a blip on the screen the rest of his career. Things like that just do seem to happen, don't they? I think the other key, though, is that Mississippi State, two things need to emerge. Um, and not just the return of Dylan Johnson because he's a better rounded back and a better threat both running and receiving. No discredit to Joe Marks, who played well the last two games. I just want Dylan out there making more plays. If you're not going to do that, then let's go with the younger guy, Simeon Price. Not because he's younger, but because he's faster, and State needs more speed out of the running back position. Mario has raised this frequently. Who is the guy in wide receiver? Well, I disagreed with him somewhat, because State's been getting by so well with a multiple, like that multitude of targets that Rodgers has been throwing to, connecting, making big plays. Oh, and I want to go back to one big play. It was only a couple of yards, but the way Austin Williams adjusted to an admittedly behind and late throw and sucked it in, got the gloves in and withstood review, that saved the Auburn game because it was fourth and over if he doesn't make that catch. So, All you still want to criticize Austin Williams because he's not uh, Jerry Rice or something, shut up. Just shut up and accept that this guy is a playmaker most of the time when it matters. Yes, that drop at LSU will always burn in his memory, but Austin Williams, he saved that game. So give credit where due. But we still as Mario will often say, need one guy to step up. Ra Ra Thomas has been the better receiver more games often than not. Caleb Ducking, of course, had his touchdown the other night, and you notice that that interference call, State went to Rodgers because he was able to elevate and draw some contact. Is he emerging as the go-to guy now? Maybe so. I still wonder why the mix of Rufus Harvey, he's not playing as many snaps before, but then when a guy like Tulu Griffin shows what he can do, catching a ball over the middle. And catching has been his issue, not the athletic skills. It's just catching the ball, as we saw at Alabama. But that 57-yard completion, a catch and run, you look at that and think, oh, guy, it's not just special teams. You can do it in the offense as well. You mix him and Rufus Harvey together, you've got some real threats from those slot positions there to go the distance And that's what State really needs in the passing game. Somebody to go the distance as well to somebody to be that third and fourth down. We know the ball's coming to him. He's going to catch it anyway. The other thing, of course, offensive line. The return of LaQuinston Sharp, it was very welcome. It did not make quite as much difference in the game as I thought it would because obviously he had some rust. You could see that by his snaps, which has not been a problem this year. But some of the snaps were just not quite crisp or on target. You also saw the left side of the offensive line just being totally taken advantage of until overtime when guess where Joe Marks ran through? The left side of the line. Stephen Lasoya and Nick Young opened up state scores. I'm sorry, Nick Jones. Scores there. But previous to that, Auburn had just teed off and come after them. So they have got to be on top of their game. Auburn's defensive front was better than we expected. Let's be fair. But they were still not great one good player, but not a great line, just not a good night for the blocking, and that certainly has got to really ramp it up this weekend, or for that matter, the rest of the season if they're gonna have any hope in the egg bowl. Defensively, is there anyone out there who now doubts that Jaden Cromedy would have made a difference in the LSU and Kentucky games? If you do, you're not paying attention. His presence was absolutely obvious from making the very first tackle of the game, in fact. Welcome back, Jaden. We've missed you all season. You're back from that wrist injury and just in time because you're going against a Georgia offense that can run the ball, but surprisingly is much more of a passing threat this year than even last year. I'm still concerned about linebacker speed, but what you are going to do about it now unless you're going to insert J.P. Purvis, who has almost vanished from snaps. And, and by the way, that reflects to something. I don't think State has been using its defensive depth nearly so much. It's not that they're super deep, but there are some guys who probably need to be getting a few more snaps, Ella Purvis, out there, certainly in situations where you've got to chase a quarterback. Am I emphasizing that too much? As I said, when you must contain a quarterback, that you need some more speed in those inside linebacker positions. I mentioned Wheat on special teams. Well, he was excellent working off the outside, but his is not a contained job. That's what Jet Johnson and Nate Watson are to do. And as you saw beginning as far back as LSU – And even in Kentucky games, containment has been a problem with a running quarterback. Well, Alabama, obviously, as well. And now you've got Stetson Bennett, who... I'm good. You know, we talk about sometimes state fans don't appreciate what they have. I wonder if many Georgia fans will ever a truly appreciate what they have in Stetson Bennett, a guy that they have tried every which way to make lose his job, and he keeps winning the job, keeping the job, and just winning games and championships. As far as the defensive secondary, Emmanuel Forbes was back to practice this week. He missed last week's game with a minor procedure. And certainly the safety's got some confidence back as far as they're tackling against Auburn, but coverage will remain an adventure and you want Forbes out there on the field this week because you've got a guy in Bennett who can run and throw and throw. He's second only to Will Rogers in SEC passing. Yeah. Hendon Hooker gets all the attention, but I'm sorry. Stetson Bennett should be your SEC first team quarterback. We mentioned place kicking. We didn't mention punting. I I don't want to talk about punting, but I have to. What the heck has happened with state punting? No matter who they run out there, you are guaranteed one and possibly two shanks per game field position, and then you drop a punt to just set Auburn up and put your defense back on its heels. This year is going to go down as such a misadventure in place kicking across the board that I'm not sure how that story is going to end. Although, it would be pretty awesome if uh, place kicking turned out to be the winning factor in a couple of games and shut people like me up. I'm always welcome to that. Win, and I will gladly sing your praises, and no hypocrisy involved. So, matchup this weekend, yes, Mississippi State's a heavy favorite. I mean, I'm sorry, <laughs> Georgia is a heavy favorite. I've noticed the line has crept down a little bit since then. Maybe they're expecting the Georgians to take a little bit of a off weekend. I don't know. I just respect Coach Smart in that regard. They're a championship team. They know they'd still have to stay ahead of the pack in the college rankings. There's a pride point, too. You want to be ranked number one instead of number two because you get the better matchup in the playoffs. So there's still all the motivation for Georgia to take care of it and not just use this as a tune-up on their way back to Atlanta. We mentioned bowling. Well, Mississippi State now is bowl eligible. They'll be going postseason for 13th straight year. So what are they matching up with? Like I said, we have a long story coming out on Friday with uh, the matchups, the payouts. And by the way, payouts do matter. I know everybody wants to talk about doesn't all the money go into the SEC common pot. It does, but not the money used for expenses per teams. And that expense money isn't just used for the players and the goodies they get. It's used for boosters. It's used for donors. It's used for politicians. It's used for friends of the university and the athletic department. Such things still matter. So you want the highest paying possibility out there, which right now, if state could finish the season with eight wins, would probably be the Gator Bowl, which is a nice little payout. But equal to it is the Texas Bowl at uh, something like 6.9 million, I'm sorry, 6.4 million. I believe I looked that up at the date. Read the story. The numbers are in there. I know some of you out there want the Las Vegas Bowl because you say you'll make the trip. Well, A, you probably won't. I mean, it's nice to think about, but when it comes time to make that airline reservation and hotel reservation, uh, most of you who say, yeah, I'd love to go to Vegas. You won't. Trust me. So me, I'm thinking more like Texas, and uh, certainly with seven wins, Texas is probably the maximum bowl state can go to. The default position there would be Nashville. I don't have to worry about state going back to Nashville. I'm sorry, to Memphis this year. In fact, I'd be just fine if they don't go back there for a nice long time, but that, that's me. So this, this weekend won't do anything for State's bowl position with a loss, but certainly they can set the stage by playing better and stronger. Does that sound like I'm conceding? Well, who out there really isn't? Which means it's time for Mississippi State to step up and just shock the world. Because the Bulldogs don't care what I or you say. They only care what they do themselves. And we'll find out how well this team is prepared for it and get a kind of a clue, too, to their mental toughness and preparation going down the stretch of this season. Uh, Speaking of stretch seasons, well, one has just started. Basketball opened well with a victory against a pretty good Corpus Christi team the other night. And while, yeah, there's shooting issues and some other things about the team, ball handling, other stuff that maybe will catch up with them during the course of SEC season, I loved the effort. They're playing hard for Coach Chris Jans. Good post-game interview with the guys who admitted effort made the difference. And they're proud of their effort. They love it because they're playing harder. They're playing with more purpose. You just feel like it's the first good step in a program. And thank you, John Cohen, for that hire. Of course, uh, Sam Purcell's Lady Bulldogs whooped all over Delta last night, uh, Valley State. And Got off to a good start. They're playing Friday evening, by the way, at 5.30. Keep that in mind, 5.30. Now, that corner campus is going to be very crowded on Friday because soccer. They're not just in the NCAA tournament again. They're hosting NCAA tournament play as a number seven seed. Only eight teams per bracket get seeded on either side. So for Bulldog soccer to be hosted and seating. That is quite a mark for James Armstrong's team. And by the way, they're ranked number 21 this week. Oh, and um, they also have three straight season wins in the Magnolia Cup over Ole Miss. So that's another hire that's working out pretty well for Mississippi State these days. Now, they're in the bracket with number two seed St. Louis, which happens to be hosting Memphis this weekend as well. But here's a chance for Bulldog fans. It's not a great big grandstand. It'll seat a few hundred there, but they're standing room. They'll be fenced off. If you get a chance, and I certainly want to make a chance myself, just go over there and follow the soccer dogs, then step over in Humphrey Coliseum and watch the women. I believe it will be general admission seating again for this week as well, 530 Friday, and, of course, Saturday afternoon, Saturday evening, football on campus. It's going to be a packed house. It's going to be a great atmosphere, Bulldogs on Bulldogs. It's just a fun time to watch college football on campus, no matter what you think of the matchup. Get out there, get a view on what this team is doing. Let's watch for things like their maturity level, how they come out and play this game. Are they intimidated by Georgia? Do they play hard? Do they play crazy? How do they play? Uh, See if Emmanuel Forbes and Dylan Johnson are back to full strength and get an idea of what the mindset is like going into this final stretch of the season. Uh, And by the way, men's basketball is also home again on Sunday, two o'clock against Arkansas Pine Bluff, and it's kids' day. So that makes for a full weekend here in Bulldog Country. Join us, why don't you? And next week, we certainly hope to have Mario O'Hagan back joining us for the Dog House, which is sponsored, as always, by Bet Online, where the game starts. And if you like what you're hearing on this, just give us a rating on Apple Podcast. Why not? If you don't like what you're hearing, give us a rating on Apple Podcast too. We don't care. It's always fun to get mentioned on it there. But you've got to like what you hear because it's about Mississippi State sports, it's Bulldog Sports, And you've been in the doghouse for another episode with me, your host, David Murray. Let's go dogs this weekend because it's a busy one. It's a great big honking opportunity for Mississippi State football and all of the sports happening. It's fun times. Enjoy it and take advantage of the clear weather because winter is coming. Isn't that from some TV show recently? Check on it. Good talking to y'all and talk to you next week as well.